Guangzhou Foreign Language Network proudly presents a special radio drama, Witnessing Guangzhou, written by Paul Matthews and adapted from the memoir by Paul Courtright. The following drama takes place between May 14th and May 27th in 1980. Well, I've been lying in this dungeon since I was 18. Ten lonely years of my life taken. I've been living in the pages. Dear Mom and Dad, how are things? I got back to Hohewon Village just a few days ago after a couple of weeks touring Korea with the Peace Corps. I was starting to settle back into my usual routine, but something happened in Gwangju over the past few days, and I don't want you to worry, but I... I can't, I can't, I can't tell them what happened. I just can't, but the world has to know. Now the state of Alabama says I killed a man. The jury reached the same conclusion. Why did it take me almost 40 years to pull up my notes, letters, and other material and write? I can find many excuses, but simply put, remembering Kwangju was painful and I wanted to get on with my life. It was not until much later that I realized that the uprising, now referred to as 518, the date of the first massacre, was the birth of the democratic movement in Korea. There are people far more knowledgeable than I who have documented the events. So why write a memoir? Telling my story of 518 was important for me, partly to bring some closure to a traumatic period in my life. I hope that, as a foreigner who lived in the area at the time, my story will also help the healing still needed in Kwangju and the surrounding towns and villages. It was mid-May 1980. I was a second-year Peace Corps volunteer in South Korea. I worked in a tiny leprosy resettlement village called Hohewon in Chanam province, about 30 minutes from the city of Gwangju. I'd moved to Hohewon from the small town of Naju a few months before. The health center staff in Naju, where I was based the first half of my service, weren't happy that I moved to the village. They seemed to like having a crazy round eye around, likely because I was an oddity. On top of that, they believed I was crazy to trade life in the small town for life in the leprosy village. Life in Hoewen was more challenged than in Naju, but I'd settled into a manageable routine and my language skills had moved beyond the rudimentary. I only used my Korean name, so everyone in the area knew me as Mr. Ko. I was kept busy and enjoyed my job, but that routine was about to be upended. 
My story starts on May 14, 1980. I'd spent two weeks away in Gangwon province. The health education roadshow for the Peace Corps was done, and after a quick stop in Seoul, I was going to head back to Hoiwon village. I saw some protests in the city, even witnessed the police lobbing tear gas canisters into the crowd. I had a narrow escape when I got caught up in a clash between protesters and the police outside the Peace Corps office. I stank of tear gas. I found out later that a young policeman had died during the protests. The first death I knew of during a demo. Now I was ready to go back to my village and keen to get home before dark. So I got up early and off to the bus station for the five-hour bus ride to Gwangju. Mr. Ko, Mr. Ko, welcome back. Hello, Mr. Park. How are you? I'm well, Mr. Park. How's your family? They're well. Come on, this way, round the back of the shop. I kept it safe for you. Uh, Mr. Park? Yes? Did you hear about the demos in Seoul? Oh, those students were only causing trouble. We heard they've stopped their demos and are back at university. We don't have time for demos down here. Now, I have something good for you. Melons, fresh from the farm this morning. (laughs) Thanks, Mr. Park. You always take care of me. I need to get back to the village. Lots of work to do. Such a good man. You take care. Thanks again, Mr. Park. I just wanted to get home, hunkered down in my village. I was tired, tired of the upheaval, tired of being on the road, and tired of the time away from Hohewan. Guilt had recently become my constant companion. Dad's diagnosis of esophageal cancer and subsequent surgery weighed on me. I'd only returned to Korea a little over a month ago from a couple of weeks in Boise to be with my family for his surgery. My parents wanted me to remain in Boise and take over their tool rental business. They tried not to show their disappointment in my decision to return to Korea. Nonetheless, I couldn't escape the knowledge that they wanted me there. But I was needed here, and the work ahead of me in Hohewan was going to require a lot of me. In particular, many of my patients had eye conditions that needed treatment. I'd learned about the specific eye conditions associated with leprosy and how to diagnose them, but that didn't mean I was qualified to manage them. They needed to be evaluated for surgery or other specialized treatment by an ophthalmologist. My job was to get them the care they needed, and that care was far away from the village. But my first task was to get myself home. The one person you could never escape in Hohewen village Mr. Kim, the village leader. Mr. Ko, open up. Hang on, I'm coming. Here we go. Mr. Ko, the post is here. 
some letters for you. All the way from America. Thanks, Mr. Kim. Did you hear the news? No. There have been demos in Guangzhou. Something bad happened there today. But I meant to take Pak Sung Moon and Chung Ko Sun to Sunchun tomorrow. We're taking the bus and changing at Guangzhou. I'll drop them off at the hospital and come straight back here. <sighs> okay, be careful. There have been demos and some people have been killed. Martial law has been declared. Morning, Mr. Kim. Morning, Mr. Ko. Be careful. We've not seen you for a long time, Mr. Ko. And you look so skinny. You need to eat better. Here, some lights for you. Freshly cooked. Oh, and you forgot to give me your laundry. Sorry, Mrs. Moon, and thank you. I'm happy to be back. Uh, there were demos in Seoul, and <coughs> tear gas smells really bad. You'll stay out of trouble? I will. Hurry up and eat! <laughs> I will. The next day, we pulled into Kwangju bus station. My two patients and I walked into the nondescript two-story building to get tickets to Sunchen and stopped in our tracks. The air inside was charged with tension. There were soldiers everywhere. They looked like mannequins cut from the same mold. I couldn't tell one from another. Camouflage, uniform, helmet, sunglasses. They acted as if they owned every molecule of breathing space within shouting distance. What the hell was going on? Mr. Park, Mr. Chung, I have our tickets and the bus is about... Stop hitting him, you animals! What are they doing? He's just a kid. Is he dead? Oh, God! Leave the area now! You killed him! We've got to get out of here. We managed to get on the bus to Sunchen, and as it's worked its way through the outskirts of Kwangju, the city appeared calm and peaceful. I couldn't get the image of the young man out of my head. His head was bowed, and I only saw the soft profile of a young face. He'd offered no resistance. Next, he was prone on the ground, beaten and broken by the soldiers. Was he dead? I dropped him off at the hospital and went to see another Peace Corps volunteer, Eric, who worked there. Yeboseo! Hey. Eric, what's going on in Guangzhou? I just came from there and it was nuts. A young guy was clubbed right in front of me as I was getting on my bus. A couple of soldiers probably killed him. I can't believe it. What the hell's going on? You didn't hear? There was a demo in Guangzhou. Students marched, carrying banners, demanding that Chun Duhuan resign and that Kim Dae-jung be released. Kim is arrested? What for? Martial law was declared Saturday night. Then Kim was arrested. Why? Who knows? Then all hell broke loose. I was with Tim near the university on Sunday. What's going on with all the soldiers? When I was in Seoul, the demos were being managed by the police. I didn't see any police in Guangzhou. We heard that Chun sent in soldiers from Kyungnam, knowing they would be loyal to him. What happened? Tim and I were out near the university. 
Students and other people were gathering in the street and, after a while, they started to march towards the provincial office. Police and soldiers blocked the way, though. The students stopped and some threw some rocks. And then the soldiers charged. Everyone scattered. Students, people on the sidewalk, everyone took off running. It was total chaos. Tim and I ran into a kage. It soon filled up with bystanders and students. Three soldiers then came in. They grabbed students and started beating the hell out of them with their clubs. Students were killed. They saw others taken away by the soldiers. It scared the hell out of us, man. What's going to happen next? Beats me. From what you just told me, it sounds like it's getting worse and not better. Eric, would you mind checking on Mr. Park and Mr. Chung tomorrow? I brought them from Hohewon. They're having surgery tomorrow morning. Yeah, sure. I'll check on them. What are your plans? Oh, man, I don't know. I need to get back to my village today. I have no idea what else to do. So I headed back to Kwangju. I was exhausted and wanted to sleep during the ride back, but I couldn't. We were about five minutes from the bus station when... <gasps> what the? A block ahead of us, fire consumed a city bus and a couple of taxis, all bunched together like some children's toys. The debris all over the road was only visible through the darkness when flames rose and provided some light. It had started to drizzle, giving the scene an even more ominous cast. Everyone else, I'm not driving any farther. Get home quickly! Hey, you! Yes? Do you have a place to go? Yes, I'm fine. Good, then hurry, hurry! The idea that I might get back to Hohei one tonight was out of the question. So I strode off to Tim's place, another Peace Corps volunteer living in Kwangju. Sidewalk tiles and stones littered the ground. All of the bus stop canopies have been ripped off. Who or what had caused this? I'm coming! I'm coming! Quick! Come in, come in! It's not safe out there! Thank you. Is Tim here? Yes, yes! Come on! Who is it? Oh, Paul! Oh, it's you. Hi, Tim. Hi, Judy. Hi, Okjin. Hello! Okjin and a few of his friends are hiding out here. Good to meet you all. Tim, what the hell's going on? Yesterday was a massacre. Chan had his soldiers attack anyone demonstrating. Young, old, it didn't matter. I don't know how many people were killed. Some people said it was more than a hundred. Oh my god. I was with Eric and Sunchan today. He told me about you guys in the Gage. You were lucky the soldiers didn't go after you. I think the soldiers were surprised to see a round eye. They didn't know what to do. Now the soldiers are going house to house searching for students. Some are being taken away. Others are being beaten. Paul, Judy, I need a favor. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Can you stay here and protect Okjin and his friends? I need to go to another student's house and spend the night there. Yeah, sure. Of course, yeah. Okjin, if soldiers come to the gate and force their way in, it will be Paul and I that they will face. Agreed. Okay. Where can you hide? It's probably best if we go up on the roof. There are stairs in the back. Mm, sounds like a plan. 
Stop! Stop! Stay where you are. <sighs> what do we do? Stay calm and stay silent. This way. I think they're gone. Okay. Best thing is to get some sleep. There's nothing else we can do right now. The rest of the night was uneventful. No soldiers pounding on the gate, and Tim made it back for breakfast. <clears throat> so, no problems last night? It was fine. So, what do you have planned today? I need to get back to Hohewam, but I also want to hit the post office. That's right in the center of the town. Are you sure, Paul? Who knows what might happen today? Yeah, but it seems that the military has a pretty tight grip. People are afraid. What more can happen? A lot. Well, I need to head home. Okay, stay safe, guys. Will do. Take care. We headed our separate ways. Judy set off home. Tim walked to the hospital where he worked. I was off to the post office. Oakchen and the other students stayed behind. His mother had been adamant they were not to leave the house today. I approached the post office, a large, single-story, red-brick building that was built during the Japanese occupation. Off to one side, I saw a crowd of about 20 people, an amorphous, unorganized group from all walks of life. Hello. I just need a few stamps for some international mail. Here you are. get home. Oh, thank God, the police. Officer, what is going on? You're supposed to protect us. I know, I know, but I don't know what's happening. We weren't told that soldiers were coming here. Why are they doing this to us? Why have they killed our student? Are these are soldiers from Kangnamba. We're also shocked by what happened on Sunday and Monday. We, we were home with our families when the soldiers started attacking. What can we do? Uh, there'll probably be more trouble. Look, Go home. Make sure young people stay inside and protect them. Hey, you! A Halmori, dressed in a slightly worn but still serviceable bright pink and lime green hanbok, grabbed my arm. I assumed that she needed help to cross the street. She was less than 150 centimeters in height, slight and bent over. Her grip, however, was firm. She faced me and peered directly in my eyes. Are you an American? Yes. Have you seen what happened? Yes, I I'm sorry. We'll have to be sorry later now. You must be our voice. Koreans have no voice. The world doesn't know what our soldiers are doing. But you, an American, can make sure people hear about us. You have to speak for us. I'll try. You must tell our story. You must tell our story! I couldn't move. It was all mind-boggling. 
I blinked a couple of times and took a breath. Slowly I took stock, first of myself, then of the shrinking space around me. Normally respectful citizens cursed the troops. The street leading to the provincial office building was blocked off and soldiers did not allow anyone to pass. The tension increased with each second. As with any fire, the fuel was plentiful and the oxygen too. All that was needed was a spark. Damn, I needed to get out. I bought a ticket at the bus station and got the four o'clock bus to Nampyeong. I was cocooned again and heading home. Mr. Go, open up. I'm coming, Mr. Kim. <sighs> Mr. Ko, we were worried about you. Did Mr. Park and Mr. Chung make it to Sunchan? Yes, they'll have their surgery today and will return later this week. <clears throat> we heard that many people in Gwangju were killed on Sunday. Is that true? Yes, that's true. There were soldiers from Gyeongnam and Gwangju. They killed many people, mostly university students. People are very angry. I see. There are no buses today, and our phone isn't working. Mr. Shin has a daughter, and Mr. Nam has two sons at Chunnam University in Gwangju. They've not heard from them. There are a few other families that have children at schools in Gwangju. They're quite worried. I'm sorry. Are you going back to Gwangju today? I was going to go to Masan tomorrow, but I could go to Gwangju today, then get the Masan bus tomorrow. Well, we'll get you a list of students in Gwangju. Call them when you get there. Didn't you say that the phone isn't working? Yes, but the phones might be working within Gwangju. Okay. I can leave for Nampyeong in about 45 minutes. Would that be enough time to collect the names and phone numbers? Yes. Uh, Mr. Ko. Yes. Thank you. He got me the list. Six names, six phone numbers. I headed back to Kwangju, hitching a ride on a motorbike. The rider dropped me off at Nampyeong near Mr. Park's Kage. In the distance, I could see the intersection was packed with people. Yeah! yeah. We kicked him out! Kwangju! 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 Kwangju is free! Yes! What's going on? Is the military no longer in Gwangju? Most of Gwangju. They still hold the provincial capital and train station, but the rest of Gwangju is free. We heard that they've left Naju, Mokpo, Hwasun, and they left late yesterday. Yeah, it started yesterday afternoon. People were fed up. The bus driver and taxi drivers led the way. They created a barrier protecting people, and some rammed the military vehicles. Were many people killed? Uh, some, from what we've heard, but not many. The bus and taxi drivers use their vehicles to ram the military lines. Now, the military will have no choice. They'll have to leave the provincial office. Really? What happened in Naju and the other towns? I'm from Naju. We heard what was happening here in Gwangju. Everyone gathered near the train station. There were no soldiers in Naju, so no one was hurt. But the large police headquarters was burned down. It seems that the same thing has been happening everywhere south of Gwangju. So, this area in Jonam is not under military control? And the people are now in charge? Yes! 
Yes, no more soldiers! Wow! As you can see, everyone's happy! But what's going on over there? Those two men? They're arguing about the armory in the police station. My heart lurched. The Korean military had not planned on a rebellious public. All Korean men undergo military training and are quite handy using rifles. I won't take a rifle. We cannot shoot at soldiers. Then how do we protect ourselves? Stop! Stop this now! Return the guns! If you keep the guns, it'll only give the military an excuse to retaliate and to kill again. Give up the guns? We're not giving up the guns. But what if they attack? We don't need them! He's right, you know. Don't give them up. Don't give them up. If we return the guns, they can be used against us! Break them! In a flash, the somber mood became joyous again. Young and old snatched rifles and smashed them in the street. My friends joined in the righteous destruction. A ripple of fulfillment ran through the throng as the final rifles were destroyed. The whole process... From the time the armory is open until the arsenal was destroyed, had taken less than an hour. I hitched another ride to the outskirts of Kwangju and stopped by Akage. We heard the military is going to return tonight. They are killed many people. Shocked. I headed back to my village and then I realized. The list. I completely forgot about it. Okay, if I head to Nanju tomorrow... Then I can go to the health center and see if I can call from the Peace Corps in Seoul from there. And if I can't, I'll head into Gwangju. I just wish I had someone to talk to in English. I got back to my place in the fading light, exhausted and hungry. The best I could do was write a letter to a buddy to make sense of the day. I wrote, but soon realized I couldn't make sense of everything that I had seen, heard, or felt. All I could do is recount it. That would have to do. I finished the letter, then found an envelope and some of the stamps I'd bought just a couple of days ago. As I licked the stamps, the taste of the glue brought me back to the tear gas and the chaos outside the post office. The halimony was facing me again, keen that I tell the story of how people were being brutalized by the military. You must tell our story. You must tell our story! I kept one part of my promise to the Halmoni. I sat on the floor and started to write again. I wrote and wrote and wrote. Where do you think you're going? Don't you know it's dark outside? Where do you think you're going? Don't you care about my pride? Where do you think you're going? I think of you. You got no way of knowing There's really no place you can go You're listening to GFN in Gwangju and Yasu. 340세대 펜트하우스 컬렉션 봉화산 힐링 자연을 품고 중심 생활을 한 걸음에 
특화 커뮤니티까지 세상의 프로그 위에 산다 조례 한양 수자인 D 에디션 5월 오픈 예정 061-741-7700 주식회사 한양 자연과 사람이 아름다운 그곳 강원도 떠나볼까요? 여수 강원도 양양을 잇는 항공운항으로 더 빠르게 연중 여행 지원금까지 받으니 더 경제적인데 여수에서 비행기로 떠나는 강원도 여행 자세한 문의 033-242-0089 강원도 관광협회 이번에 첫째가 초등학교 들어가서 둘째 어린이집 입학이 후순위로 밀렸어 엄마 나 어린이집 못 가? 후순위라서 못 가? 아이고 답답해 답답하고 불편한 법령 정비 법제처 법령 정비를 통해 보육기관 가점을 받을 수 있는 다자녀의 범위가 확대되었습니다. 답답한 법 법령 정비 불편한 법 법령 정비 법제처가 속 시원하게 법령을 정비합니다. 안녕하세요. 브레이브걸스입니다. 음료를 주문할 때 개인컵을 사용하는 것처럼 음식을 포장할 땐 다회용기를 사용해보세요. 일회용품은 줄이고 환경은 아끼고 오늘부터 함께 용기 내볼까요? 애정한다 착한 용기 애착 용기와 함께 깨끗한 지구로 역주행해요 공익광고 협의회 Where do you think you're going? Don't you know it's dark outside? Where do you think you're going? Don't you care about my pride? Where do you think you're going? Mr. Go! Oh, oh! Good morning, Mr. Kim. I'm sorry. I didn't make it into Gwangju yesterday. I couldn't call any of the students. I see. Did you hear the helicopters last night? We heard that the military has returned. Where are you going now? To Naju, to the health center. I'll try to call the Peace Corps in Seoul from there. Mr. Ko, you must be very careful. We don't know what happened last night, but it's probably not a good sign. I'll be careful. No buses were running, so I rode my bike. When I got to Naju, I discovered the phones weren't working there either. So, I decided to go to Kwangju. I rode past buses with dozens of bullet holes, blood everywhere, and as I cycled, the words of the Halmoni outside the Kwangju post office came back to me. You must tell our story! She was right. The world beyond Korea had no idea what had happened. In fact, no one except the perpetrators knew what happened to the people on the bullet-penetrated buses. We needed witnesses. I made it back to Tim's house. Oh, you're back. Come in, come in. Thank you. No one's home. They've gone to rally in front of the provincial building. 
Um, some of the Hohewan families have students in Guangzhou. They're worried. I have a favor. Could you call them to make sure they're okay? Sure. I'm off out, but I'll be called when I get back. <sighs> Thank you. Don't worry. I headed to the center of town. There was a massive crowd filling the central, plaza-like area around the large fountain in front of the provincial building. And after a search of the crowd, I realized that there was no way to find Tim here. I was starving and searched for a kage to get some food. Ramen and kimchi brought a sense of normalcy and familiarity to the late afternoon. Then I returned to Tim's house. Paul, oh, it's good to see you. Hey, hey Dave, when did you arrive? Hey, Okjin. Hey, just a couple of hours ago. Where's Judy? She's back at her place. Have you heard what they're saying about the massacre on the news? No, what? They're calling the demonstrators communists and saying that they're sympathetic to North Korea. What? That's complete BS! The announcer said that riotous students destroyed property and loyal troops are trying to keep the peace. What about the killings, the atrocities? No mention. All blame is being put on the students. They're saying it's the evil influence of North Korea. What the hell? Is that what the government is saying about Sunday? Yeah, that's what they've been saying. Does anyone outside of Guangzhou know what really happened? No, we don't think so. It seems that Chun wants to isolate us. I can't stand it! If Koreans and the rest of the country knew of the massacre, they, or at least the students, would be demonstrating in every city on every day. The military's not going to let the people of Guangzhou stay in control for long. They're going to move back in and take control. It's just a matter of when. Agreed. The question isn't will the military retaliate, but when. From the rally today, it's clear there's little interest in giving up. <sighs> that TV broadcast is really going to piss people off. Yep. But then what happens? I've no idea, but there's no way the people can hold off the military circling the town. Yeah, I know we're supposed to remain apolitical, but that's just not possible anymore. Agreed. But we still need to figure out how to remain observers... We all know how we feel. Those a-holes who kill people need to be brought to justice. I'm struggling to figure out what I can do. About the only thing I can think of is to talk to the media, but there are no media here. Yeah, there's nothing. Except for all those lies on the TV about this. And I don't see how we can change that. Do you have any idea what the U.S. government's saying or doing about Guangzhou? <laughs> no idea. But I can't see Chun moving back into Guangzhou without some kind of agreement from the U.S. military. Yeah, you're probably right, but hell, that would make the U.S. government complicit in the atrocities. Do you think the embassy knows what's really happening here? Well, if they do know and do nothing, they're gonna get an earful from me. Oh, you boys must be hungry. Here, here, keep your strings up. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. It's no bother. The city is surrounded, and there's no food coming in. I feel like there's nothing I can do. Ajumani, thank you for helping us. Don't mention it. It's a difficult time for everyone. We are grateful that you are all here. <sighs> Many thanks.
decided to leave Gwangju the next day. What am I supposed to do? I want to follow the guidelines laid down by the Peace Corps. Don't get involved. Don't engage in political acts. Don't voice your opinion about local politics. Don't threaten our position as guests here in Korea. After what I've seen, how is that even possible? And am I even going to be able to get out of the city? My ride out of Gwangju didn't last long. A new roadblock had been put up. A line of tanks and soldiers. Hey, I'm an American Peace Corps volunteer. I live in Naju County and work at the health center. I said, I'm an American Peace Corps volunteer. You cannot pass. Go back. Why can't I go to Naju? I have work. I have leprosy patients who need care. No one is allowed to leave Guangzhou by order of General Chun. <sighs> I wanted to yell, why have you killed people in Guangzhou? But kept that question from exploding out of my mouth. I had no choice but to turn around. I felt useless, frustrated, and humiliated. I headed back to Tim's house. They wouldn't let me through. That's not a good sign. Oh, man. The military's going to invade soon. I know, Dave. They must have a tight band around the entire city. What's happened here, and is still happening here, is completely unknown outside of Jonam. Things may have changed. Dave and I ran into two German TV reporters today. Somehow, information has gotten out. Otherwise, those reporters wouldn't be here. Yep. Now maybe the story can get out. We agreed to meet with them at 8 tonight. They want to get our stories. They also want us to help translate for them. Translating? For reporters? Would that be okay? Would that get us into trouble? Uh, Tim and I have been talking about that. Translating means we're not taking one side or another. We're only helping the reporters understand what people are saying. Okay, so we're not giving our opinions. We're not going to be quoted, right? Yep, we'll just translate what the reporters ask and what the people say. But won't Chun and the military find out? I'm sure there are spies around town. If they learn that we translated for the reporters, we'll be in deep trouble. Chun can rot in hell! The Germans want to interview Tim at his hospital tomorrow. You know, I, I think we have an obligation to stay. It's an obligation to our friends here, to the people we work with here. We can't run away. Well, if we all leave, everyone in Kwanji will know it. I haven't seen any other foreigners on the street. Yeah, it would send the wrong message. People would think that we gave up on them. Everyone here has really taken good care of us. They don't want anything to happen to us. They're protecting us. Given everything we've seen, the only people we should be afraid of are the soldiers.
The notion of being a witness had seemed fairly straightforward a few days ago. Now it had become much more complicated and dangerous. It seemed as if the people of Kwangju had been cut adrift by their own government. The people of Kwangju wanted us as witnesses. The military didn't. It seemed that now, simply by being witnesses, we'd crossed some invisible line. There was no doubt what Chun and his coup leaders would say, that they would want us out. What would our own government say? Would they back us up? Would we be allowed to stay? A few hours later, we started to walk to the small hotel where the German reporters, as well as some reporters from the AP, stayed. Along the way, we made some decisions. So we're all staying, right? We're all ready to translate. Yeah, but you're going to end up with the lion's share. That's fine. We'll each tell the journalists what we saw. We are only going to talk about what we saw, not what we heard. Agreed. There are way too many rumors floating out there. We're going to avoid giving any TV interviews. We'll only do TV interviews if our identity can be masked. Agreed. Agreed. We gathered in the small hotel restaurant, sitting around a table while the reporters started taking notes. Tim's experience was the most horrific, and he was the first to talk. There were no interruptions, and the Germans wrote furiously. One after another, Dave, Judy, and I told our stories. As I listened to the others, I realized that although we'd seen different things, we'd all come away with a common perspective of the wrongs committed in Kwangju. When we finished our stories, I was exhausted, and it seemed that everyone else, including the Germans, were equally fatigued. But for the first time, I felt I had a purpose being in Kwangju. The next day, Tim took a couple of the German reporters to the provincial office to meet with the leaders. I stayed with Robin, a photographer with Time magazine, and another reporter to see the temporary mortuary. Two young men got out of the front and opened the back of the ambulance. They reached in and pulled out a gurney with slow, deliberate movements. They stared at the body on the gurney with sadness, and I didn't want to interrupt them. It was hard to look, and it was hard not to look. I translated for Robin and the German reporter as the driver told his story. We're friends from university. We were part of a group guarding the road to Hwasun. At around 3 in the morning, a group of soldiers tried to invade Guangzhou. There was a lot of shooting, and that was when Junxiq was shot. Did the soldiers get into Guangzhou? No, I don't think so. Where is Junxiq from? Guangzhou. We all go to Chenam University. How will his family know what happened? We'll notify his relatives. We'll clean him. He'll be put in an open coffin. Then he'll be put in the mortuary here. Come this way. 
bodies here for a short time, mainly to get them identified. There are more bodies? Uh, oh yes, most are at one of the hospitals. How long do they stay here? Uh, usually just a few hours when the... It seemed important to me to count the number of bodies. I counted boxes, content to deceive myself, even though I knew boxes and bodies were one and the same. There were about 50 boxes. How was this old woman killed? She was killed when the, the soldiers opened fire from a helicopter. No one has identified her yet. We don't know anything about her except where she was killed. She appeared to be resting quietly. She could have been the halmoni that grabbed my arm in front of the post office earlier in the week. I suspected that this halmoni, if she were alive, would have made the same demand of me. Bear witness and tell the story. And this child was killed at the same time. We're trying to find the mother. We're not sure if the Halmoni and child are related or not. You know you're the first foreigner reporters here. Please, show the world what happened. We headed to the provincial office to witness the meeting of the civilian committee, and then headed to the hospital to find more stories and to take more photos. In one of the wards, we heard a piercing cry. Inside a nearby room, a young man bent over a bed and cradled a young girl, only 12 or 13. Her body wrapped up, not moving. <laughs> What's going on? The girl was her, his younger sister. She was brought here a few days ago. She had surgery, but... She died this morning, just before her older brother arrived. How was she killed? I don't know, but like my son here, she was probably shot by the soldiers when they fired on bus and taxi drivers. The drivers were shielding people, trying to stop the killing. We are sorry that your son was injured. Will he be okay? Uh, I hope so. He's a student at Chatham University. He's a good boy. He wasn't part of the demos. How was he shot? I asked my son the same question. He said that he was with some friends when the military attacked some taxi drivers and bus drivers. You heard about this? Yes, I heard about that from my friends. I also saw buses and taxis with many bullet holes. What? What's happening to our country? Why are they doing this to us? We don't like Chun, but we were willing to let him be president as long as we were safe on our country prospered. We can't go back, but we don't know how to go forward. I understand. Thank you. I hope my friend here can let everyone know what happened. And I had a plan. I would try to get out of Kwangju the next day. Not by the roads, but by hiking over the hills to an area not far from Hohewan village. I needed to do my bit and let the U.S. Embassy and the Peace Corps know what was really going on.
Mr. Kim, 여보세요. Mr. Ko? Mr. Ko, you're back. Come in. The Peace Corps office in Seoul called. I told them you were in Gwangju. The phone works? Yes, it started working again yesterday. They want you to call them immediately. Okay, I will. And I have good news. All the students on the list you gave me are okay. The Ajabani at my friend's house called all of them. Thank you. Here. Thanks. Hello? This is Paul Courtright. Paul, Jim here. Am I glad to hear your voice. Where are you? How are you? How are Tim, Dave, Julie, and Judy? We're all fine. Everyone is still trapped in Gwangju. I just got out today. Are you safe? Yes, I'm safe. I'm in my village. The roads in and out of Gwangju are blocked, and I had to walk over the hill to get out. Can you travel? You should come to Seoul tomorrow. Use whatever form of transport you need. You'll be reimbursed. I'll try. Okay. When you get to Seoul, call me. Do you know what happened here? The military killed hundreds of people, maybe thousands, men, women, and children. It was a massacre. What you've seen on Korean TV isn't true. There are no communist sympathizers. Chandu Won causes, not the people of Gwangju. I just want you to come to Seoul as soon as you can. Go to the embassy. I'll meet you there. You can tell them everything you've seen, okay? Okay. You take care. I'll see you soon. So? So, tomorrow I go to the Naju Health Center. I'll ask them to help me to get to Seoul. <sighs> Travel safely. Tell them what you saw. Thank you. I understand. I felt lost. I sat down and started a letter to my parents, relating the events. Dear Mom and Dad, how are things? I got back to Hohewan village just a few days ago, and after a couple of weeks touring Korea with the Peace Corps. I was starting to settle back into my usual routine, but something happened in Gwangju over the past few days, and I don't want you to worry, but I... I can't tell them what happened. I just can't. But the world has to know. <sighs> After a few minutes, I stopped. I couldn't send this. It was not something for mom and dad. But I will tell the embassy everything. Mr. Moon, a taxi driver much braver than me, got me to Jeonju, and then I took a bus to Seoul. Jim met me at the embassy, gave me a hug, and we were ushered inside. 
It's good to see you, Paul. Thanks for arranging this, Jim. Of course, of course. Uh, I've made you an appointment with the Charged Affair. I've got one hell of a story for it. At least I thought I did. The embassy was abuzz with activity, but we were left alone, sitting outside the Charged Affair's office, for the next two hours. No one ever came. We got up and left. I was shocked. How were they going to understand what really happened? Now, with my book and this drama, I'm finally telling the story the Halmoni wanted to be heard. Within a few hours, it was all over. The military invaded Kwangju, and the Kwangju uprising came to an end. My friends were safe, but no one in Seoul knew the truth. They accepted the military narrative. Eventually, I made it back to Hohei-won village, but the military was watching me. They tried to expel us from Korea, but the Peace Corps director called their bluff. They backed down, and I stayed. In 1981, Peace Corps Korea closed its doors for good. I stayed and taught at Seoul International School for a while and finally left in 82. I've returned over the years, but it was never the time to talk about Kwangju. But 40 years on, my book has been published and I kept my promise to that halimony. America failed Korea and Koreans in 1980. I only hope that as an American writing this, both Americans and Koreans will better appreciate our shared history, our shared desires, and our shared pain. We have so much to learn from each other, and I'm continuing to learn. have been listening to GFN's special radio drama, Witnessing Guangzhou, written by Paul Matthews and adapted from the memoir by Paul Courtright, featuring Paul Courtright as the narrator, Arlo Matis as young Paul, Michael Percy as Tim, Mr. Park, and Jim, Paul Matthews as Dave and Mr. Kim, Dana Han as Judy and the Halmoni, Kevin Lee as the Ajumoni, and Daniel Springer as Eric and Okjin. Other characters were played by members of the cast. Witnessing Kwangju was edited and directed by Hyungjin Ro, Hyemin Sun, and Paul Matthews, produced by GFN Kwangju Foreign Language Network. <laughs> <laughs>